This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name is Peter Tomasi. Hi, this is James Hyman IV. Hi, I'm Dan Jerkin. Hey, I'm Duncan Wood. This is Jim Lee. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Mark Hamill speaking. This is Kevin Conroy. This is Tim Sale. Hello, everyone. I'm Batman, and you're listening to my podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast, Season 12, Episode 17. This is Ian. This is Steph. And this is Theo. And today, we're back in the swing of things. You may have noticed that we started a new podcast, the three of us, called Deceased Cast, where we're going to be reviewing all of Deceased, including the Digital First spinoffs. We hope you'll check that out. We know a lot of you are huge fans of that series, and we hope to give you some insights and maybe some connections. And if you're not following the spinoffs, we can fill you in on what's going on there. So go check that out in the TPU specials feed. We also have some comic news, uh, pretty big news that dropped on Monday. Uh, DC did, well, not DC, AT&T, which now owns Warner Brothers and DC, did a huge round of layoffs and restructuring. Um, 600 people are reported to have been let go or changed positions in a serious way. And a chunk of those are from DC, not a lot, but it sounds like anywhere from a 10th to a third of the editorial line. And we're talking senior editors have been let go or being restructured. Theo and I recorded a podcast. So check that out in the TBU specials feed. That's where we're putting a lot of content for you guys. And if you have comments on either of those things, the deceased cast or our specials podcast about the restructuring and layoffs, leave us some feedback on the discord or on Twitter. We'll be happy to read that and respond to any concerns or questions you have. Um, Steph, Theo, you have any thoughts you want to add? It'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. Not really I, a I, comment, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have nothing else to add, um, you know, from what Ian and I discussed earlier this, earlier this week. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see where, where things go. Um, not too concerned about DC as a publishing company yet. Um, you know, of course, DC Universe is dead on arrival now. So it is what it is, you know, other than in the comments I've already said. So I have nothing else to add on that. Yep, I think that's pretty solid. And uh, both you and I gave, I think, definitely on Theo's part, very thoughtful and measured uh, responses to the news. We didn't have everything, of course, but we probably really won't know much until a couple months from now. I mean, we're still not quite sure the fallout of Dan Didio's firing back in, was it March? So, or it might, it might have been May. Um, but we, we still don't know all the fallouts from that. So we'll let you listen to that podcast. Let us know what you think. We'll continue to monitor the situation, of course, as it affects the Batman universe. But in the meantime, we have two reviews today. We've got Batman number 96, Continuing Joker War, and we have a Joker War tie-in in Detective Comics 1025. So let's get started with our Batman review. Batman number 96 by James Tynan IV, drawn by Jorge Jimenez, colors by... Tomu More. Gotham City, years from now, Batman has nearly made his goal of no one dying in his city again a reality. In his high-tech suit, seen last issue, he defeats Mr. Freeze and his two sons, that would be Mr. Freeze's sons, then returns to the cave, talking to Alfred about his family and his city. However, as he walks upstairs, Alfred's neck breaks, and he wakes from the dream-slash-nightmare. 
Harley Quinn has been taking care of him since he escaped Punchline last issue, and the city is fully under the Joker's anarchic reign, funded by the Wayne Fortune. Elsewhere, Clown Hunter, a weird youth, kills some of Joker's clowns, saving a few people, and heads out to kill more. Harley checks Batman's vitals, but he brushes her off. He show, she shows him Joker's territories, terroristic advertisement campaign, a clear invitation to a trap at the Monarch Theater. He drifts into a waking nightmare of his parents' deaths, only like Alfred, their necks snap instead of getting shot. Hearing a hallucinated Alfred's voice warning of Harley's tranquilizer, he jumps out of the window and runs into the sewers. Fighting his way through several of Joker's clowns, he enters the Monarch, and Joker springs the trap. Zombified corpses. So, Joker War Part 2. Let's get some first impressions at the top. Well, this was the first time I really recognized it as Jimenez's art because I'm so used to seeing him in bright, sunny, more happy settings. And then this this imaginary, hallucinating Gotham was definitely more brighter and more the Jimenez I know. So that was nice to see. I loved Harley. <laughs> I loved Harley in her zombie-killing Walking Dead outfit and her scar on her neck. I thought that was pretty badass. Gun killers, interesting. And I am glad that the zombies were dead people and not freshly killed dead people. And that makes it a little better. And my opinion of that monarch scene is not as depressing as it was last time we read the issue. Yeah, the art, well, the art was, was somewhat interesting. Um, Harley didn't always look like Harley on some of the panels. Um, and it could have been due, you know, just due to the injury, but you know, you know, it was weird seeing that scar on her face, uh, I'm sorry, on her neck. Um, like stuff. Yeah. It, it didn't always look like it was Jorge, uh, on the art. Uh, but it was still, it was still a decent read. Um, Outside of uh, Snow Cone and <laughs> Brother, uh, let's not see them ever again. Uh, you you know Tynan's going to bring them back, man. I was so hoping that that was a dream because I was like, the writing in this section is awful. I mean, the word I sired should never be in serious literature. And so him saying I sired these, oh gosh. oh, And then their names were, was it Pop? Snow cone and popsicle? No, popsicle's copyrighted. Ice pop. I, I think that's worse. Oh, it's good. Oh, oh it, it was terrible. It, 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 I, I mean, he, re- I mean, he really is just—it's uh, just awful. Yeah, it, but it's but, a dream, so I thought it made sense. Yes. Yeah, let, but let's 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 not make that dream a reality. Please. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty please. Um, well. But there, there was some, there were some interesting things that happened uh, all the way to the end, uh, leading up to, you know, Bruce meeting all of the uh, dead, undead uh, corpses in the Monarch. Uh, so we will continue to see where Tynan is bringing us with regards to this war of his uh, between Batman and Joker. I had a good time. I still sort of had the same reaction I did last time, which is it feels like not quite enough happens in the issue. Um, Cause it's all very set up, you know? I mean, we do see the payoff of Batman falling into Joker's trap, but he, that's the cliffhanger at the end. So it doesn't actually lead to the fight or how that's going to turn out. And Batman's been out for a while. You see Harley and I loved, I loved Batman and Harley's interactions. I thought that was really fun. And Jorge Jimenez really drew them in a fun way. But, I don't know, it still feels slow for some reason, even though lots is happening in a frenetic way. I guess we'll see. Uh, Tynan often has a lot of sort of setup feeling, and then boom, everything sort of falls in place at the end, in a very action movie kind of way. So I'm hoping that's the case here. It's definitely how it feels. Um, so our first discussion question... I always used to hate it when a reviewer would constantly compare single issues of a run or series to wildly different things. Case in point, there was a time when someone was reviewing some Thor series and one issue they said it was like The Wire 
So uh, gritty detective drama. And then they said it was like a high fantasy adventure, uh, which were just shallow comparisons for clicks or to show off your pop culture knowledge. But part of me really wonders if Tynan here is deliberately giving a feeling of several of the last big arcs for major Batman writers. So I mentioned last issue that I thought this sounded a lot like City of Bane, where you have a time jump and Gotham's under control of the villain. We haven't really seen the takeover itself. We we jumped from the start of the takeover to being taken over. Um, this issue really feels like Batman R.I.P. Um, you have Batman sort of waking up from dreams and still hallucinating, and he's not sure what's real. He's facing a, a great villain. He's off balance. He runs in the sewers, sort of alone, away from his family. And he's accompanied by a hallucinated voice. So in R.I.P., of course, that was Batmite. And here it seems to be Alfred. I would be very excited to see some endgame or super heavy references in the next couple of issues, just sort of to continue this pattern. What do you think? Do you think I'm reaching at things, or do you think Tynan is deliberately recalling these arcs? Well... I have to confess, I have not read R.I.P. I might have picked up a bit here and there, but I have not read it all the way through. So I don't really know to compare it. So to me, this is all this is all new because I am still a decently new reader to to Batman. And. But that being said, there is nothing new under the sun. And one thing that we discussed a few weeks ago was do people even like new things? <laughs> and I think. To an extent that that you have to recycle a little bit the stuff that worked before because you know it works, but you have to mix it up with something new and something fresh. Otherwise, it's just carbon copy and you're just being lazy. So I think that if it is taking bits and pieces from, you know, whatever RIP and uh, City of Bane and, and whatnot, that it's okay. Because it's all packaged into something that's Tynion's own story. And that's okay. And since I don't have too much to say on that, <laughs> uh, I was going to mention that I actually really like that it's a dead character that Bruce knew that well, that he is relying on this not really there Alfred. Because it's really showing kind of like... Not not as much as Tom King did, but it's showing Batman's weakness. We're getting this from his perspective, and we're seeing his flaws. We're seeing how he's going into the fight not 100%, and, and that he is, in a way, relying on a voice that doesn't exist and doesn't actually know what's going on, so he probably shouldn't be relying on it. So it's just definitely showing aside a weakness of Batman's that is going to be a vulnerability that may cause some issues in following issues. Yeah, it was definitely interesting that he's hearing the voice, he's responding to the voice, but he knows that the voice isn't real. But he's also asking the voice questions like, are there any vital signs in this room? And it's like, well, the voice doesn't know that. (laughs) I mean, the voice is responding, but I mean, it's... It's weird, but it's also understandable knowing the person that Batman is. So his mind is there, but not there. It's there enough for him to understand and and, and recognize, you know, I'm, I'm listening to Alfred's voice, but I know Alfred isn't here with me, really. I know he isn't here anymore. So, but to, to go back to Ian's question, uh, first of all, I don't want to see any super heavy references. I want to get that out the way right now. Uh was not a fan of super heavy, although I was okay with in-game. Uh, but let Mr. Bloom and, and, and the world of Jim Bats lay. Um, but the, he, he's definitely doing it. I mean, I, I didn't actually pick up on all of RIP until Ian mentioned it uh when the issue came out. Uh, but once he did, I was easily able to see it. Then one of the things that, and, and, and we discussed it before, you know, when, when writers do this, it, it, it shows that they are studying the history, understanding the history and 
know, giving homage to the history and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with those those not so subtle references, but as well as those subtle subtle references. Like I said, I didn't even pick up on the references to RIP until it was actually mentioned and, and once it was, you know, I was able to see it. And um you know, I don't have a problem with that as long as it's an arc that uh, I'm okay with. So again, please, no super heavy. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think that he's trying to copy those things. I just feel like he's trying to evoke those things because this is a big arc that's going to have hopefully big consequences for Batman. Um, he's already said that he's not necessarily planning to restore Bruce's fortune immediately after Joker is defeated. And I think we all know Joker's going to be defeated somehow. We just don't know what the cost is going to be or how it's going to happen. I think that Endgame is more likely than Super Heavy. As much as I personally like Super Heavy, it's not a Bruce story. And this is supposed to be a Bruce story. Um, and it's Bloom, not even a Joker story, is it? No. Although, <laughs> if you ask me, Bloom is really just Joker with a different face. <laughs> but that's my Snyder issues coming in. Let's move to our next question, which is on the Discord. Punchlines attracted some attracted some negative attention, um, and on on the online and my actually my local comic shop uh, main employee that I talk to, the guy who usually rings me up at the counter, he's really frustrated. Not because he dislikes Punchline herself, but he dislikes the fact that speculators are buying all the comics without even reading it, and they don't even care. They just you know want to make money on first appearance of Punchline. So I'm sure first appearance of Clown Hunter is going to get the same kind of attention. But now that we've seen her a bit more, where are you on the punchline issue? And where are you on the the Clown Hunter issue? Like, how do you feel about these two characters? Clown Hunter definitely made an impact on me because he's a child. And anytime, golly, you make a kid, his intro be whacking a bad guy through the skull with a battering glued to a or tied to a stick like that's to me that made way more of an impact than punchlines strategically placed cuts in her clothing <laughs> so that was just really re- wrenched wrenched at my heartstrings wrenched no not wrenched but anyway tugged that's the word i'm looking for it tugged at my heartstrings and it made me sad and it made me immediately want to know more about him so, to be honest, so buy the Joker War Zone number one coming out in <laughs> September. So to me, this two panels we get of this kid made way more of an impact than Knifey Go Lightly, <laughs> who all she wanted to do was stab my favorite people. So, you know, I didn't like her as much. I think she's interesting, but I don't know if she has stay appeal. I don't know if either of them have stay appeal. But I do know that I found Clown Hunter way more interesting as a character. Just want to say, knifey go go likely uh, <laughs> needs to be needs to be a hashtag. Let's make that. Happen. <laughs> um. So first, with 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 Clown Hunter, you know, this was the first issue where he's revealed, and um, while impactful. And and this kind of implies no, impl- applies to punchline as well. Um, impactful, but again, just very new. Um, with regards to the negativity around punchline herself, um, I'm not gonna say my feelings around her are negative. Uh, I'll use the same term that I mentioned in the comments with regards to punchline on the on the server. Right now, she's still unproven. Um, you know, speculation is always going to overvalue things, um, but as a character, you know, she hasn't proved anything yet. You know, she has she has some. She has some uh, growing that she needs to continue to do as a character for this reader. Uh, not not as a character in the book, but just for me to to understand and appreciate. Um, right now, you know, and this is someone who's who's not a fan of Harley Quinn, 
you know, if I had to choose between who stays and who, who goes, you know, it would be punchline because again, to her credit, she just hasn't earned her way as a character yet. Does Tynan get her there eventually? He may, uh, but you know, we've seen a lot of characters who have been created by uh, writers who have uh, in many ways gone by the wayside and have not been seen or not seen as much anymore in Duke Thomas Harper Row. So, you know, we, we got some time to see where, where things go with punchline. If she continues to develop and uh, develop as a character, but also prove herself as as a character worth having around. Um, you know, does she become another Holly, or does she go the way of the designer? We'll we'll see. For me, I know it's not everybody, but for me, a, a good villain or a character at all needs to have a story, and it needs to be at least a little bit relatable. And I think that's one reason I'm just not a fan of Joker is that there's nothing I understand about him. He's a, he's a psychopath. I actually looked up the difference between a sociopath and a psychopath. And he's just a psychopath. He has no feelings. He has no emotion. He has no uh, moral compass. He's just crazy and evil. And that's kind of the impression I'm getting about punchline. Whereas, the again, the two panels that were introduced to Clown Hunter, he's protecting the weak. And I like that. And I'm not saying, obviously, villains aren't going to always do that. But you have to have that touch of humanity. Like, I remember my favorite episode of uh, Two-Face in, in the Batman Adventures is when he's the judge. Is because it's almost like this... Oh, sorry, spoiler. <laughs> in case you haven't seen a 20-year-old show. He... he he becomes almost this third personality that is seeking true justice. And I, I find that relatable, even in a bad guy vigilante. So that's my concern for a punchline is that she's literally just, and she's not a, she's not another Harley because Harley looks out for the weak. Harley isn't evil. Harley has relatable, Harley has relatable characteristics. Whereas punchline right now, she's just being sold as another psychopath. And I think there's only so many, there's only room for so many mindless, ruthless, not mindless, but emotionally less <laughs> killers. Like even Deadshot has emotions and thinks about things. <laughs> like, it's just, I don't, I don't think there's just too much room for her. Yeah. And I think, I think part of, part of what might be behind that is the fact that as compared to Harley, Punchline is more of a Joker. You know, not just not just in being a psychopath, but almost just in most of the demeanor, with the exception of she's not running around laughing up the place. Um, whereas Harley was crazy but she was she 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 was opposite she was she was she was the opposite of she was the yang of of joker's yin i don't think punchline is that person i think she's punchline's more, more of joker as steph yes, was saying yeah yeah she's she's definitely more joker than than anything and you know in the end you know does the world need a female joker I don't know. I, I I don't I don't necessarily think so. We have enough people who Well, remember what happened last time we tried to go that route with uh Joker's daughter. Joker's daughter. Right. You know, and, and people well, you know, not just that, but quote people, unquote fan favorite character, Joker's daughter. <laughs> you know, people people complain already about seeing the Joker too much, you know, and, and you know being okay if he was to go away for a few years or more. Um, you know, and maybe that's that's part of the plan and she replaced him. I don't know if I really want to see that. Yeah, uh, and you know, I would rather see a Harley again, not a Harley fan, before I see more more punchline. 
you know, because right now all we see is, you know, uh, a joker with boobs. And, you know, that's I don't necessarily think we we need that. I think those are really good thoughts by both of you. I am still really on the fence for both of them. Um, I really I think everyone remembers from episode 300. I really loved Punchline's origin. I think it was very appropriate for our time as campus radicalization, you know, the, the radicalization of the young into violence ideologies with maybe some good intentions, but it really just spirals out of control into violence. It feels really relatable, but unfortunately her appearance here in Batman haven't really played with that. So I'd like to see Tynan, you know, test her, put her in a hard situation where she doesn't get what she wants and we see what she's made of. We see that reaction, uh, make more thematic commentary. Clown Hunter I think everyone knows I hate Joker. So a character who hates Joker and goes around killing Joker's henchmen, I'm on board with. Uh, <laughs> I just really like that. I will freely He's admit... He's he, he does seem like a very young lad. Think of the children. Won't somebody please think of the children? But uh, I, I'm just with him. I, um, I'm sure he'll do something that we're not supposed to like in the future, but... I'm on board with his mission. <laughs> Do we know exactly how old he is? Did Tanya perhaps mention it in his newsletter? He hasn't. Um, that's why I said jokingly, but also seriously, because I'm definitely buying it. The buy the Joker War Zone. It's a one shot, and it's going to have a a short story devoted entirely to um, Clown Hunter. So I'm sure we're going to get a lot more details, just like we got a lot more details about Punchline in the Joker 80th. So that's my recommendation for that. How do you feel about the zombie track, uh, zombie trap in the theater? Does it make sense? Does the Joker's zombie technology feel too out there for Batman, or does it decrease the stakes for you, or does it work? He's been using it this whole time, and that's why we even had a designer in the first place. So within the story, it's fine because it's been precedented. <laughs> I don't understand what the trap is. Like, Batman is there, and there is no reason for the zombies to be there. Well, I guess they're going to attack him, but they're zombies. I mean, they're slow. Uh, what is it? Remove the head or destroy the brain? Like, it's not that hard. The attackers can be stopped by removing the head or destroying the brain. I'll repeat that by removing the head or destroying the brain. I don't really care. <laughs> is that an opinion? I don't really care. It's not. I don't expect this is going to be a battle of much effort in the next issue. Right now, this is for me the weakest part of Joker War. Uh, you know, the, the the zombified corpses. I I do think it's a little bit too much um, for Batman. I'm not sure what what the end game is with using them um i'm not crazy seeing them i'm you know i don't know if i really have much more to say with that uh i just it, it doesn't make sense i'll i'll go ahead and say that it, it really doesn't make sense having them in the story unless we get something towards the end uh that justify it but i don't i don't see that being the case um so, yeah, no. Put that in a no column for Theo. I mean, they could be anything. I mean, it was literally the owls, Court of the Owls, in the last tech, and it might have as well been zombies in tech. I mean, it's just a crowd of whatevers. I was just about to mention that <laughs> uh, the Court of Owls is quite literally an army of super zombies, and I I will go on record by saying I think that Court of Owls is an extremely effective set up for a story and a great addition to the mythology, but I don't like what oh, it does. Oh, 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 so we got our connection. So we now we know our connection. See, Joker used the same toxin on the on the talons that he's using with the zombies. Hey. Have... <laughs> there, now, if Tynan actually take... <laughs> makes that text, I will actually go back and say that... Uh, back. <laughs> I will go back and say that uh, Tynan and Tomasi are working well together, but he has to put that in the text. He can't just let us assume that. No off-paneling? No off-paneling. It doesn't count if it's okay. off-paneling. 
But if he does that, it's great. It's a really good idea. But what I was, I was saying, I, I'm not the biggest fan of the owls themselves in the world of Batman because it feels a bit too fanciful. Now I know this is a world of Two Face and Clayface and um, Lazarus Pits and Poison Ivy, a Plant Woman. These are not, these are not realistic. These are not really street level superpowers they are things that are completely fantastical and really science fantasy they're not hard science fiction at all but there's a sort of logic to them that didn't fit in my just my reaction to the court of owls the they felt too convenient for the writer and and I can't really explain it. And if they worked for you, and obviously they worked brilliantly, Court of Owls is still their best-selling arc from the New 52, and it's it's just such a an iconic thing with that you know round mask with the two black eyes and the hook. It, it's really catchy. I just I wasn't a huge fan of the the talents. But because the talents have been around for ten years, I'm no longer bothered by the Joker zombies. Yeah, and that's what. I, well, 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 and, and that's what I was going to mention. You know, when you mentioned, you know, the world of of Clayface and and Ivy, they have history, so it's it's much more palatable to accept them because they've always been there. You know, we can go back decades, and we'll find we'll find Poison Ivy, or we'll find Clayface. The talons, you know, again, about a decade old now. Um, I'm, I'm just not the zombies. I mean, that be the case, you might as well just put the talons in there, you know, and and let that be the trap. Again, another way of tying Batman and Tech together. But nah. does that make Batman an owl exterminator? <laughs> I'm sorry, little boy. You see, we're owl exterminators. We're owl exterminators. Okay, so let's give this issue our ratings. How many bat axes would you give out of five for this issue? Batman number 96. You know, I know I agree with what you said about not too much happens. And at the end, we're just greeted with this. Zombies. But I really did like that you, you Batman is tortured. Batman is not okay. <laughs> and they Tynion spent some time focusing on, on what that is and where his mind is. And I thought that was that was moderately interesting. And and I like that he cares where Catwoman is, even though we still don't know if where she is or why she's not leaving or how why she can't leave her bunker. But um I would say three out of five bad axes. I am going to give it a three as well. Um, yeah, th- that end part with the zombies kind of did it for me with regards to taking it down uh, a half an axe. Uh, so, yeah, I'm three out of five. Yeah, I think I'm also going to go with a three out of five bat clown hunter bat axes. Um, over on the website, Scott gave it a two out of five. So Steph has created a new gadget. What is our overall rating out of wait, five bat wait, axes? Wait, was it two or two and a half? So I was a three and Scott was a two and a half. So it's technically 2.875, which rounds to three. So that gives our review of Batman 96 a wrap. We want to give a call to, for reviews. We'd love to hear what you think about this episode. Comment on our most recent episode page at thebatmanuniverse.net on our Discord server, which you can find on the front page of thebatmanuniverse.net in the right sidebar. Our Twitter, at TBU underscore comics, or our personal accounts listed in the show notes on Stitcher on iTunes, and we'll read your comments or reviews on air next time. For Stitcher, just click on the stars to the left of the page, then click on write a review. For iTunes, leave a review in the iTunes app. We'll read whatever we have, and even if it is uncomplimentary, we will try to make the show better for you. 
So, on to our next review, Detective Comics number 1025. At Holy Cross Cemetery, Batwoman springs into action to assist a trapped GCPD as they come under a barrage of blasts from Joker's goons. As she keeps the thugs at bay, Harvey Bullock and the GCPD make their move to fight back. At Wayne Enterprises, a Jokerized Lucius Fox, struggling to resist the influence of the Joker toxin, uses Wayne Tech to mass-produce drones to assist the Joker goons at the cemetery. One of them heads in the direction. As Batwoman and the GCPD struggle to maintain control of their battle against the Joker clowns, Kate attempts to get the officers in line to surround their assailants. The officers resist, however, until Bullock gets them in, in order. As they begin to make their move, the Joker wing arrives and attacks. As it comes back around for a second pass, Batman appears and takes out the drone with an EMP blast. Unfortunately, a second drone appears and knocks Batman from the top of the vault he was standing on before being taken out by the GCPD. Batwoman helps her cousin up and they eventually head to Wayne Enterprises. At sub-level 3 of Wayne Enterprises, Lucius sits at the controls of the 3D printers with a gun to the back of his head. Suddenly, the floor begins to shake, and before the clowns can react, Batman bursts through a wall at the helm of a tank-like vehicle. Batwoman manning the guns. Don't worry, they're stun emitters. Batman quickly dispatches of the Joker clowns, while Batwoman uses a large... while Batman... Batwoman, ah, starting over, starting over. At cell level three of Wayne Enterprises, Lucius sits at the controls of the 3D printers with a gun to the back of his head. Suddenly, the floor begins to shake, and before the clowns can react, Batman bursts through the wall at the helm of a tank-like vehicle. Batwoman, manning the guns. Don't worry, they're stun emitters. Batwoman quickly dispatches of the Joker clowns while Batman uses a large cannon-type gun to not only destroy the 3D printers, but also the drones sent to attack them. Batwoman takes out the goon with the gun on Fox. As Lucius begins to succumb further to the effects of the poison, Kate gets him to Batman, who quickly administers an antitoxin for his longtime friend and employee. It won't completely stop the toxin but it will slow it enough for Bruce to get Lucius to safety. As Batwoman leaves to handle another problem area, she agrees with Batman that they will need to take the Joker out and take him down hard. She's going to do what she does best. So we have our first official tie-in to the, the present-day events in Joker War with Detective 1025. How does this fit? With Jokerware, when do you think this happens? Well, obviously after Lucius is taken. <laughs> uh, well, that's a good point. Lucius is rescued in this issue. So did we see Lucius in the most recent issue in 96? I don't no. think so. So it could actually happen somewhere around 96. Except that he was unconscious for three days. Well, but here, here's my thought. He was unconscious for three days. He wakes up. We see him jump out the window and plunge into the sewers. We don't know that he went directly from the sewers to the theater. Maybe there was some hours there where he teamed up with Batwoman to rescue Lucius. I guess we'll have to wait and see where Lucius shows up in 97 and through 100. But there's a theory right now. I'd really hope, yeah, that Lucius was a priority of his. Yeah, 100%. Lucius is great. I think I think this this happens after ninety six and 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 probably the main thing that sticks out to me that makes me think that it does uh, two things one Bruce isn't walking around with a bandage on his leg from being stabbed by Deathstroke and two he's not under the influence of the toxin of punchline's toxin he seems 
much more coherent in his interaction with um, with Kate. So I'm thinking this happens at least after 96. Well, wow. I mean, I think you have an excellent point if we're going from the idea that we, these are tightly edited comics. I am not of the opinion that these are tightly edited comics, so I think that we're going to have to make some off-panel land assumptions to make this one fit. Because um, I yeah, was I, really excited when I first re- first started reading it, because I thought, it's going to be Batwoman, that can explain... Batman doesn't even need to be in this issue, and that way it can literally be at any point during Drogor. It could be while he's passed out. But adding Batman into it, I mean, yay, Batman. <laughs> but it really just kind of messes with the when did it happen jig. Well, I think I think we'll have a better idea next week when we we get ninety seven. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 we get to ninety seven and Lucius is still high and around in the sub level, then we know again that this just takes place after. Uh, so I think we'll get a better idea of where it is. You know, it, it'll be a good project, I think, if after all this is said and done, to do a piece and, and try to put all of this in chronological order. That'll 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 be a book. I I mean, I've obviously given my theory about when I think this happens, but I am, of course, open to further information. I'm just going with what I have now. And I think, as I, I mentioned, Theo has a great point. If we're assuming these are carefully edited, I don't think they are. So I'm just sort of, that looks just about right if you're squinting. <laughs> um <laughs> What do you think of the characterization of Batman, Batwoman, and uh, I guess Lucius is here, but he's still very much under Joker toxin. But I, mostly I'm asking about Batman and Batwoman. Well, I actually did want to talk about Lucius because in Tynion's run, I mean, mind you, we haven't seen Lucius drugged that much. But the little bit that we have seen him, he seems to really kind of cave really easily. <laughs> and I know he's drugged and that was fine. It's fine. But in this one, he really seems to be fighting back. And I really thought that was cool. And I I was really excited to see Lucius fighting back and not just be like, oh, yes, Master Toxin is telling me what to do. So I I thought he was a stronger character in this tech than he has been in Batman. Well, under the influence of yield Joker Toxin. Batman really seems like a guest star in his own book, which I thought was kind of funny kind of written as Batman appearing in just a random book and Batwoman really kind of owned the book and I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was neat of them to do to just acknowledge that this is detective comics not Batman comics. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, I, I kind of had the same thought. You know, Batman was you know, a co-star. He he wasn't the main character in this book. Uh, and I'm okay with that. And, you know, this is not the first time that, you know, Batwoman was the lead character, i.e. Legacy. Love it. It's uh, not even the second time. <laughs> no. So, um, you know, I'm I'm okay with how this was done. And, and I liked seeing, you know, as Steph men- mentioned, uh, Lucius, you know, doing his best to fight back and resist the jo- Joker toxin. But it was also good seeing Harvey... Uh, take control of the GCPD, especially as they began to question, question uh, Kate being there. Uh, you know, he, he, he truly put on the, the, the commissioner hat at that time. Uh, so I'm definitely on board with how the characters were presented in this issue. Yeah. I think it had a good voice. It was still very Tomasi. So if you like the way Tomasi tends to write very straightforward and, kind of business-like with most of the voices, even as he gives nuance to each of them, it, it's definitely good. I I also thought it was really cool to see Batwoman take the center stage after Elegy in Greg Rucka's run, and then, of course, James Tynan's Detective Comics, where she was very much a co-lead with Batman and the rest of the characters, and she was very driving of the plot in that. So seeing her drive the plot again was really cool. I've always thought that 
except for characters like John Kent and Damian Wayne, who Tomasi really has an affinity for, most of the characters, it feels like he's putting his editors out. So people may not know Tomasi was a big editor at DC for a long time before he became a writer. And so he, he's really good at sort of knowing all the things that are going into the character. So he references, you know, the conflict between Batwoman and Batman in this. And I thought that was nice. But it also sort of felt like, ah, uh, yes, this is an editorial note that you might put in a caption box, but we put it in a dialogue instead. So that was just my response to the way it was characterized. I thought, in general, it was very solid. I really liked addressing Lucius's situation because I don't like him being Joker's prisoner. So rescuing him is a, a really exciting thing for me. Big fan of that. I also thought that Harvey was done really well as a good bluff police questioner, sort of really stuck in a role he didn't want. I'm curious, though, Kenneth Rookfort is guest artist, and he's a very different artist than Brad Walker. Brad Walker is big on heavy lines and a lot of dark and black spaces in the page. Kenneth Rookfort's very sort of delicate, almost spidery lines sometimes, and he really loves, uh, you know, detailed anatomy and having really, uh, you know, appealing characters. So how do you feel about the art for this issue? It's not something that is my favorite. Like, I wouldn't probably list him as top five or something but i very much enjoy the art i liked the detailedness to it it added a depth to each panel when it's even just you know batwoman talking to some cop whatever which by the way (laughs) i feel like the army should have come and helped out at this point (laughs) like this is military grade combat why are the gcpd alone (laughs) in gotham but that's that's a different topic. That's not what you asked. I mean, if we I go back care. to City of Bane just about six <laughs> months ago, the military didn't come in then. So I think at this point, but the this U.S. government... Like, that was, I don't know. This the is U.S. Like government just looks at Gotham um, and says, well, we tried to get you out of America before. It didn't work that time. So now we're just going to leave you alone. Yeah, you, you would think Gotham would have, you know, got the memo after uh, No Man's Land. Yes. Yes, but I liked the art. It was fine. I think I I like depth. I like I like I like detail more than than thick lines. I think it just it adds way more to each panel and just makes it more exciting and gives you more things to look at. And it's I like it. Yeah, the art the art was good. You know, now I will I will go out there and and mention as I mentioned in my review, I I am biased to Brad Walker at all uh i've been using have been appreciative of of their art in this run um it has been the best part of it in my opinion up to now uh but you know rockefeller did a good job i i i have no quotes with him you know he his style is is similar to quietly's um which again you know is, is very stylized with how they how they how they both draw uh but it was good. I had no issues with it. I had no issues with it. It just it it, it wasn't Brad Walker. But that's okay. We have and, one more issue with uh with Rockefeller. He's gonna be doing the other tie in as well. Uh and and that's okay that's okay. And I think that you're a hundred percent right that it is better for a writer and artist on a title to collaborate. And unfortunately, as we all know, double shipping doesn't allow that for more than about Honestly, four issues is optimistic. I mean, on Wonder Woman, we just got two issues with one artist, and then they're switching again. So scheduling for a twice-a-month comic is brutal, and I'm not a fan of the scheduling. I'm often a fan of the individual arts. I like both Walker and I like um, Rockford, but it is frustrating that this is the second-biggest-selling Batman title and often the second-biggest-selling regular title in general over a thousand issues and we can't get an artist to stay on it because you're scheduling it too fast. But I mean, I say this every, every episode, so I guess I'll try and rein that in. How many bat tanks would you give this issue out of five? I really liked this. I would say three and a half, three and a half bat tanks. This is the, the, this is the first time in quite a while where I really feel that 
the issue of Detective was better than the issue of Batman. Uh, this was really done well. I, I truly, truly, truly enjoyed it. Uh, it was definitely a tie-in. Uh, we were able to pick up various things through throughout the issue that could tie back to the main Joker War story. Um, everything was great. You know, I probably should have given it a four. I didn't. Uh, so I'm I'm stuck at a three and a half bat tanks, but it was definitely, definitely a great issue. Uh, better than Batman's, in my opinion. I'm not 100% sure I can say I liked it better than Batman, although I am going to give it a 3.5, which is more than I gave Batman, because more happens. I mean, you rescue Lucius Fox in this issue. That's a really big thing that I want. So something I wanted to happen happened. It happened in a plausible way. It featured characters in a cool way. Yeah, I'm going to say a 3.5. So that doesn't mean I dislike Batman. It just means I think Batman is still building, whereas this this is really just a one-shot. So it tells a complete story, and I'm biased in favor of complete stories. So 3.5 out of 5, that's 3.5 all the way across. So you don't even need an average calculator. What, 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 what did the calculator say? No. <laughs> 3.5 <laughs> bat tanks out of 5. Now. We don't have... Oh, you're doing oh, significant figures? How many, how, many, how many zeros? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So we don't have any listener feedback this week. Uh, please do give us reviews, give us comments, talk about it on the Discord. We're lighting up into Joker War. We have two more months, and then we get to Batman number 100, which is the finale of Joker War. I'm very excited to get there. I think both titles are firing on pretty much all cylinders at this point, even if they go up and down, depending on the issue. Um, and I'd love one month from ten twenty seven. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, and oh my goodness, it's one hundred and forty four pages. It's going to be such a long episode. Um, but tell that to the person who has to do the review. Uh, I assume that's yourself? you. <laughs> yes, I am. Oh no! <laughs> well, it's going to be incognito from the server and the rest of the world when that, mm-hmm, when, that mm-hmm. when that issue becomes available. All right, so. We have a question of the week, which is, who is your favorite non-TBU comics character? Okay, so my first is uh, Kyo Soma from Fruits Basket, which is getting a redo anime animation after, like, I don't even remember, 17 years after they tried it the first time and it sucked awful. Oh no, it was great. It was wonderful. But <laughs> this one's so much better. A better, more more true loyal uh, adaptation of of the manga. That's my advertisement for that. You should watch it now, right now, Funimation.com. But Hyo is a redheaded, angry teenage boy, and when a member of the opposite sex hugs him, he becomes a cat. And he's great. <laughs> and he has a lot of emotions and anger to work through. And I just find him delightful, and I enjoy reading. Uh, Kyo's character in, in that manga. Oh man, I can't get with Funimation. It's just too many ads, and I'm too cheap to pay for the no ad version. I got in when they were like at five ninety nine a month, and now they went up in price. So I grandfathered in my monthly subscription. I hate you. <laughs> and then my other one, my favorite all time character of all time, became a comic book character, so it counts, even though I have not read the comics with him in it that much i've read a little bit but zuko prince zuko from avatar is my all-time favorite character in any medium of anything of all time and the but fact that he is my honor you haven't read anything yet so how can They're you say awful. but he could be he could be an absolute dope in the comic book he, he is a know. dope in the comic book i i've read a little bit mostly his interactions with his his younger sister who he finds after he finds his mom but and he's so precious and 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 i just i don't know i love zuko's i love his arc i love his redemption i love him when he's a spoiled brat i love him when he's not as spoiled and i just i love zuko he is a fantastic character uh for me uh my second favorite uh comic book character is uh, Jennifer Walters, aka She-Hulk. Uh, she has, she was my comic book crush as a little <laughs> boy. Uh, 
continued that way until I really truly understood that there was no way that that could ever happen. Uh, <laughs> absolutely despise how she's being drawn today, but she is still my uh, second favorite comic book character in all of comic books. Uh, and then after that, uh, it was a toss up between these two, but it's actually Mark Spector, AKA Moon Knight. Um, you got to appreciate DC, I'm sorry, Marvel's attempt to create their own version of Batman. I consider Moon Knight to be that character. Um, crazy and senile, but still has a great history um, in the Marvel Universe. So those are my two, She-Hulk and Moon Knight. I teased my fellow co-hosts uh, preparing for this by saying, oh, I'll use a Jane Austen heroine because Marvel did <laughs> Jane Austen characters. Uh, no, they did uh, Jane Austen adaptations in like 2011 through 2013. That's or that's cheating. It is cheating. I'm not really doing that. But I also, I'm tempted to say Wedge Antilles from the Dark Horse Comics X-Wing Rose Squadron series, but he's much more a literary character. I know he's in the movies, but his character was really developed in the Bantam Spectra novels, X-Wing spinning out of the computer series. So I do love him in the comics, um, but I love him more in the novels. So I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to say Mary Jane Watson in Marvel comics. And this is a lot of different versions. I love her. In, I love that pick. I love her in, you know, the main continuity where she's, you know, Peter's wife or main love interest. I love her in the ultimate universe where she's a high school, you know, wannabe journalist. I love her in the new insomniac video game where she's a, a daily bugle reporter. I love her in the, I even love her as uh, Kirsten Dunst in the movies. I know a lot of people think she's a little too screamy, but I think she actually has a really good character arc. Um, and I love her in Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, a really good little series. If you're a anime fan, it's very similar to a manga styles or Sojo or I don't actually know what the girl version of Sojo is, but uh, very big eyes, very, uh, and the artist is Japanese, even though he's uh, a Canadian. Um, and he actually, I think, I can't remember if he went to Japan, but he tried to do manga for a while, but now he's back at Marvel doing Spider-Gwen. Um, and I just, I really love Mary Jane Watson because she's got that, she, she's a hero, even though she's not para, uh, powered or puts on a costume. She always tries to do good and to make the world better around her. And she's got such a great attitude. I mean, you you, you got to love that Stanley attitude that he gave her. She's so spunky, but she's got that, you know, good soul. You know, after Gwen Stacy died, you know, she comforted Peter. And there's that steel behind the party girl that I think is really good. So Mary Jane Watson, favorite non-Batman universe comic character. Loved her for a long time. Really glad that Spencer brought her back to the main uh, cast because even though she was in um, you know, Brand New Day and Slots Run, she was really very much a cameo appearance. She would come in and out. But now she's a main character again, even though well, she has her own series, but I, I'm not a huge fan of that. But I still love the character. So, And, tell- and, and if, I could just, if I can just say this. Yeah. Okay, if there are any Marvel executives listening to this podcast right now, trust me, I won't tell CB, I won't tell Bob Iger, but Marvel execs, if you can do us one big favor, retcon one more day, please, pretty please. I mean, I think I think that uh, Spencer's moving towards fixing it, um, but uh, I guess we'll have to see if it, it actually happens. It's been a while. But- I'm a few issues behind in his run. I gotta catch up. I'm on, I'm on issue 42. Yeah, I think it just hit 45, maybe 46 this tomorrow. But um, yeah, I co signed that. Get rid of that stupid story. It's so bad. All right, let us know what your favorite non TBU comic characters and follow our examples. We can do comic adaptations of movies, comic adaptations of cartoons, manga. Do not be restricted. Just let us know what you love in the comics characters. Again, you can do that on Discord. You can do that on Twitter at TBU underscore comics or any of our personal accounts in the show notes. Or you can do it, you know, as a review or on the website. I'd like to thank our patrons uh, for supporting us. We couldn't keep the server costs going without your help. Uh, Let me just go ahead and read our wall of supporters. We have Ian Miller, Rob O, Stephanie Mounts, Ed Grouse, Captain America, 
Johnny McCloskey, Robert Lewis, Gerald Green, Real No Deuces, Donovan Morgan Grant, Brendan Roberts, Mary Garrett, Theodos Wright, Joshua Lappin Bertoni, Tim Garassi, Stanton's Grave, Hannah Gar, Austin Davis, Donald Townsend. Again, thanks everybody. We appreciate your support. And with that, that's the end of our podcast episode. Tune in next time to find out more about Joker War. And remember, check out our DC's cast and our DC Layoffs cast that'll be dropping in the DC, uh, the TBU specials feed. This has been Ian. That was Steph. And this is Theo. (laughs) And thank you for tuning in to the Batman Universe Comics Podcast.